Hello, Jazz Session listeners. I am Jason Crane, host of the Jazz Session, announcing the 100 by 300 campaign. That's right, my goal is to get 100 members by the 300th show to keep the Jazz Session going, and you can join very easily. Just visit thejazzsession.com and click on either the join link at the top of the page or the one on the side of the page. There are monthly levels starting at 10 bucks a month. There are yearly levels starting at $110 a year. Please join the people who have already become members and help keep the Jazz Session going. The Jazz Session receives no external funding from any source uh, up to and including All About Jazz, and that means for me to keep doing it, I need you. Thousands and thousands of you listen to every show, and if you could find the uh, the cost of maybe two cups of coffee uh, a month in your couch cushions, you can help keep the show going for years to come. That is the 100 by 300, 100 members by the 300th show. Join now at thejazzsession.com. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of the show is available for free at thejazzsession.com. You can also subscribe in iTunes or using any RSS reader, and there are links to do that at thejazzsession.com. And, of course, you can become a member, which would be fantastic. I've got 15 so far, looking for 100 by the 300th show. And I want to uh, send out a thanks to Jeff Hessler and uh, Robert Devins, Jeffrey Hessler and Robert Devins, who both became members since uh, Thursday's show, the last time that I read some names. So thanks to both of them, and if you have not yet become a member but you are a listener to the Jazz Session, please uh, become one and help keep this show going for years to come. Also, uh, just up front, I'm not for sure whether people turn off the show before I read the ending credits, so just in case that's the case, let me say right up front that uh, the theme music that you just heard was by the Respect Sextet, and they are uh, online at respectsextet.com, and they've got a bunch of records that are all awesome, and the most recent of them is called Farcical Built for Six. Also, uh, Dave Rabel designed the show's logo, which you will see when you go to thejazzsession.com to become a member. My guest today, uh, and actually if you count the bass player in his trio uh, and then me, there are three Jasons involved in this interview. My guest today is Jason Stein. He plays bass clarinet in a band called Locksmith Isidore. They've got a new record titled Three Kinds of Happiness. It's on Not Two Records. And it begins with Crayons for Sammy. <laughs> Thank you. 
My guest is composer and bass clarinet player Jason Stein. Uh, he and his trio Locksmith Isidore have a new album on Not Two Records called Three Kinds of Happiness. And uh, Jason, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks, so, you know, right from the top, any album and any band led by a bass clarinet player uh, has an extremely good chance of landing on the jazz session, because I'm a, a big fan of the instrument. And so I guess I'd, uh, before we start talking about the record, I wanted to ask you a little bit about um, this often difficult instrument and, and why you focused uh, your energy on it. I kind of came to it, I guess, somewhat, somewhat randomly. Um, I was living in, living in Montana, and uh, I wanted to play... I wanted to play a wind instrument. I didn't. Uh, I didn't have any experience with a wind instrument. I played guitar and a little piano. And I, I thought, oh, there's there's a million saxophone players. I was I, I was playing I was playing guitar in a in a jazz quartet. And um, I just sort of randomly went into a little little mom and pop shop, uh, music store, and asked if they had uh, this instrument that I'd heard of called a bass clarinet. I think I'd heard maybe one or two Eric Dolphy recordings. Um, and they. Uh, it turned out that they had this old beat-up uh, student model Bundy that the lady brought out. <clears throat> she showed me how to uh, how to get a sound on the instrument, how to make your embouchure. And uh, I went home that day and literally uh, the, the next night started using it on uh, on gigs. It was it was just kind of a it was like one of those uh, instant connections. And were you using it, I mean, given that it was the next night, were you using it for atmospherics, or were you able to get out melody lines and that kind of thing? I mean, what was it like those first couple of times when you were playing it on stage? Yeah, I mean, I, that, that, that first day, since, since at the time, you know, I knew, I knew a, a bunch of stuff about music and scales and harmony. I, was, uh, I, I pretty much learned all the, all the songs that I knew on any other instrument. I learned on the bass clarinet, so I could, I could play melodies. And, and yeah, I mean, I... I, I pretty much just played it like as as an improvising instrument. I mean, I'm I'm sure I sounded you know terrible, but but it but it worked fine. talked with people before about the idea of of certain instruments uh, fitting a person 
not only because uh, you know they they like the sound of them, but because they hear in a particular range. Um, you know, when they imagine music in their head or when they imagine themselves playing, is there any of that involved in in your like of the or love of the bass clarinet? Yeah, you know, it's it's funny actually. Um, when I, I I was at school in a at Bennington for for a short time, and uh, Milford Graves is a is a professor there, and he he, he teaches this. Um, coming to the new record, uh, Three Kinds of Happiness, is, uh, I'm, this is the third record by the band, is that right? Correct. Okay. Um, and I, I read somewhere um, you talking about this record and saying in some ways it was a, a new beginning. Can you expand on that a little bit? With this record, it's, it's, it's a more jazz-oriented record. There's a little more to, uh, to, to bite into on the content. The, the first two records were more, more free-oriented, more free improvisation-oriented with less writing. There's more writing on this record, and uh, and the improvising is more stylized. Like it's, uh, I'm, I was more uh, a little more controlling with how I actually wanted improvising to sound, um, and it's it's generally more jazz oriented records. And why is that, Jason? Well, I think for for this group, it's just kind of the direction that I that for me personally, it was it was more interesting to head in. Just sort of personal preference, you know, <clears throat> for the, the music that I've been listening to and, and the music that I'm that I've, that I've been more hearing. It's it's what seemed more interesting for this group to get into. So can you talk about the ways in which uh, that changes how the band interacts when you've now decided, you know, we're going to have a little more focus on the on the composition? Um, how does that change, I guess, your position as a as the composer and the band leader, and how does it change the interaction of the trio? In a way, surprisingly, very little. I mean, I 
And do you find that the the improvisation goes in places that it it might not have in the more free setting, kind of the you know the freedom through structure idea? Kind of hard to say. I I mean, sure, you know, it's the the improvising sounds different because there's this uh, there's like a whole free sort of canvas, and so so it's like in playing, all musicians sort of decide on the spot. Well, we're gonna we're gonna sound like this, or we're not gonna sound like this, and it's and it's less like there's less of stylistic kind of definitions beforehand. Um, I mean, when it comes to when it comes to playing more more jazz kind of a thing, I mean, for for me, what's what's really important is is, is that kind of a bass in a in a in a, in a swing, you know, and in a in a quarter note that really feels really feels like something, you know, that there's there's depth to the time, and so in in playing the way the band's playing now, I mean, it's it's sort of more based on that, like really digging into a to a to a time that that feels like it has meaning. Jason, can you talk about uh, who's in the trio with you? It's a really fantastic band. Yeah, it's uh, Jason Redke plays bass, and Mike Pride plays drums. Uh, Redke is a he, he and I are longtime collaborators. I I met Jason even before I moved to Chicago when I was still in school. Um, he, he plays in a in a ton of different groups, and he's he's a he's a super flexible bass player. Um, he, he he plays in groups from a Ranging in terms of style, you know, from from where he plays, very minimal, very free, very sound-oriented type of improvising to uh, to other groups where it's where he plays jazz music or uh, or even even some bands where he plays more rock. And then Mike Pride uh, is from New York. I've I've known Mike since 2001. We met playing on a random gig in New York City. Um, and really, the same deal with Mike. He's he's one of the most flexible, one of the most creative musicians that I uh, that I know. Um, and it's 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 been great. It's been a learning experience, you know, to work with to work with both of those guys. Uh, largely because they're they're so open to, to almost anything, to any ideas that I give them. They're, they 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 run with they run this stuff right away. So it's been it's been great. 
One thing I, I find really sonically interesting about this trio, and just about the idea of a chordless trio where the the horn is a bass clarinet, is that although you you explore the range of the bass clarinet, there's a lot of the time when the kind of upper registers that would more traditionally be filled, uh, you know, by what we would think of as the the upper register horn sounds aren't really being used by anything except maybe the cymbals, some of the overtones on the cymbals, which seems very interesting. It feels like it gives the trio uh, a feeling of a lot more space and and depth. Um, I wonder if that's something that you also agree with. It's fine if you don't, or uh, something that was an an intentional choice when putting uh, the sonic palette together. That's not not really a conscious decision decision in terms of of the the general range that, that we that we deal with or that we don't. I mean, I think in general, you know, with just just playing in a in a trio where where there's no chording instruments, there's a, there's a ton more room to operate, you know, in, in both high registers and lower registers. With the bass clarinet, one of the things that's that's so interesting to me about the about the instrument itself is is even though it is kind of a, a difficult and, and finicky instrument, it it in terms of the range that it can cover and the, the breadth that it can cover, it uh it really has a, a huge range. I mean, the, the the upper the upper register of the instrument goes goes really quite high, and it's and it's very controllable. It's just it just kind of has an attitude, and it's it's something that sort of needs to be tamed. And then, of course, the the lower register is is more what the horn is designed to to deal with, and so it 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 makes it so that I I kind of have a lot of choices for for what to deal with. You've chosen to make your home base uh, in Chicago. Why did you do that? Um, I, uh, I wound up graduating from school in Michigan, and while I was still in school in Michigan, I, uh, I would come to Chicago quite a bit. I met, I met a bunch of people here, and, and even before I was done uh, being in school, I was, I was playing in Chicago quite a bit. So when I was done with school, it just, uh, just kind of made sense to me to come here, uh, because I knew, I knew so many people, and I was already kind of involved with what was going on. So it was a, it was a good place for me to be for music. And can you talk about uh, the Chicago scene? We so many of the people that I talk to on this show, uh, you know, obviously are based in New York, and uh, I think only a few of the folks that I've ever interviewed have been based there. So I'm I'm interested in your impressions of of what it's like to make a career in Chicago. Yeah, I mean it's it's funny, you know, because it's it it comes up a lot, and I, and I think especially the the past few years, there's there's been sort of an an, an upsurge in, in the amount of records and, and just kind of work that's coming out of. The musicians from Chicago, especially the younger musicians. Um, I mean, there's there, there's so much going on here. There's there's a lot of places to play, and there's a lot of musicians that that work very hard. Um, I I think that uh, it can it, it can feel sometimes like uh, like Chicago is sort of like the the younger sibling or the 
And speaking of that, that seems like a natural place to segue into some of the things that you've got uh, coming up. On January 30th, I'm playing gig. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. It's, uh, it's at a, a bar in town called Hungry Brains. On a Sunday night, there's a great Sunday night series there. I'm playing uh, with a group called Apiary. Um, it's with a guitarist named David Daniel, percussionist uh, Steve Hess, and electronic musician Joe Mills. And that's um, it's a really interesting band. It's it's kind of hard to hard to describe in general. I've, I guess I've heard people sort of describe it as, uh, along the lines of like the, the sort of Chicago like almost like post post rock kind of group. Um, we uh, we're, we're sharing the sharing the bill with a great band from New York um, called uh, Acid Birds with uh, Charles Waters and Jamie Fennelly and uh, Andrew Barker. Um, and then in, in February, Locksmith's the Door is actually going on a, a two-week tour in Europe. That'll be our third tour. We're playing uh, we're playing really all over, uh, playing in France and in Belgium, in uh, Germany, in Switzerland, uh, in Slovenia. And that's from uh, February 11th to February 20th. And what's your experience been like uh, touring with the band in Europe? It's great, you know. It's a, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a special thing to be able to play the same music night after night. You know, to to really interested, really enthusiastic audiences that uh, it just creates an atmosphere and a and a sort of sense of creativity that's a really special, really particular thing. Um, each time we've gone over, we've we've played at different places and for for different audiences. But uh, there's there's a kind of kind of enthusiasm. An openness to uh, to the music over there, and I don't I, I don't know if it's because we're musicians who are from a different country, or because the music itself is is coming from a different place. But uh, but I've I've really had a, a a great response from audiences. It's been it's been really a pleasure to uh, to do the uh, the live track that's on uh, Three Kinds of Happiness, Miss Izzy. Was that recorded uh, in Europe, or I'm not sure where the place is. It doesn't mention the place, just the a location name. Yeah, yeah, it was rec- it was recorded at a place in, in Krakow called Alchemia, uh, one of the one of the most amazing amazing clubs I've ever I've ever been to or, or played at. Why? Um, well, it's this. Uh, it, it's I mean, K- Krakow itself is, is an incredible city. Uh, much of the city uh, was not totally destroyed in World War II, so it feels super super old. This um this particular bar is uh it's like um. The upstairs part of it that's on the ground floor is a kind of dark coffee shop bar kind of place, and then there's a huge downstairs uh, theater. Seats maybe about 200 folks. Uh, it's all brick. The sound in the room is amazing. Um, the ceilings are low, and it's every every time I play there, it's been completely full. Uh, the audiences tend to be younger folks who are who are really interested in in what's going on with the music. And uh, there's just like a there's an atmosphere there that that's it's a really special thing. Speaking just practically, how do you uh, book tours in Europe? Do you have a an agent who has European connections and does that? Do you do it based on the relationships you have? How does it work to to tour around Europe? For for the most part, I I, I do it myself. Um, I mean each each tour sort of works works differently. I mean I I've had help from a uh, from the labels. That I've worked with, I've had help from from Natsu and help from Clean Feed that's put out uh, uh, other records. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it's uh, it's just me kind of communicating. 
yeah, I guess that makes it easier these days than it than it probably would have been. I don't know how people could have done it. You also do uh, solo tours, and uh, I know sometimes you team up with other musicians in places um, that you go, but do you, do you do unaccompanied bass clarinet performances as well? I do, yeah. I had, um, I had a solo record come out uh, about a year and a half ago on, a, on Leo Records, and that since then I've, I've, I've been getting uh, quite a bit, actually, of, of solo work where I'll... I mean, for, for the tours, yeah, like, like you were saying, I'll... Some, for some gigs, I'll, I'll play with different musicians in different places, but for the most part, um, there's always at least a handful of, of actual solo gigs where I'll play a set or two by myself. How long have you been doing that? Um, the first it was a uh, about uh, was about two years ago, actually. And. What was it like that first time when you were stepping on stage with only yourself to provide all the music? It's um, it's interesting, you know, because I, I think from from early on when I when I was when I first became interested in uh in playing in, in playing this kind of music, some of the some of the first records that I really enjoyed listening to were solo records, Matsuku uh, Stassen solo records and Evan Parker solo records. And I think right right off the bat, I I um. In practicing, that there's a, there would always be kind of a a, a part of me, a, a part of my mind that would that was thinking about trying to orient what I was playing, the vocabulary that I was dealing with, what I could get out of the instrument, in a in a way that uh, worked for for playing solo. Um, and and for me, it's it's really quite comfortable. You know, I it's it's certainly challenging to uh to really fill to fill that space by uh by myself and, and to create something that, that for me feels like it's, a, like it's worthwhile and that, that makes sense but it's, I really enjoy that challenge you know, um, I, I think it has to do too with, with my relationship with the instrument itself you know, and, 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 and really, really feeling like I want to get as much out of the instrument as I can and, and, uh, and really kind of, it's, it's almost like an expression of my relationship with the horn you know, when, I, when I play solo that, that, that feels like there's a lot of content there. It's really nice. 
Do you make use of any uh, effects, or uh, is it strictly unaccompanied bass clarinet? Just unaccompanied bass clarinet. That's I great. mean, there's there's quite a few uh, effects that a person can get out of the instrument, you know, just just acoustically. Sure. But yeah, not a. I, I never use a. I never use anything else. Oh, that's great. Well, I'll definitely have to pick up uh, the solo record. That sounds really fantastic. I actually, um, just, just a two weeks ago, I, I played a solo gig at a, a place called Arius. It's, Mica, about an, it's in a town called Cesena, about an hour east of Bologna. And uh, I, that, that, that was recorded really, really nicely. And I think, uh, I think that, that that might might come out as, a, as, as my second actual solo record. Oh, great. Fantastic. My guest is Jason Stein. He and uh, the trio Locksmith Isidore have a new record called Three Kinds of Happiness on Not Two, and uh, I highly recommend it. It's, a, it's an excellent record. Jason, it's been a lot of fun to talk to you about this, and, uh, and also great to listen to the music, and I thank you for taking the time to do it. Thanks, Jason. Great to, uh, great to be here. That's music from Locksmith Isidore, a band led by bass clarinetist Jason Stein, from their new album Three Kinds of Happiness. I'm Jason Crane. You are listening to The Jazz Session, presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of the show is also available for free at TheJazzSession.com, where you can also become a member, and I hope that you will. I don't often mention my uh, non-jazz pursuits on this show, but I will just say that uh, I've got some things happening in the poetry world. Of course, my book exists, which you can get at jasoncrane.org. And I also just launched a new poetry zine that's going to come out every two months called Daylight Robbery. And uh, if you go to jasoncrane.org, there are links to it. But you can also go directly to snafupress.com, S-N-A-F-U-Press.com, to find out more about Daylight Robbery. I'm not in Daylight Robbery. I'm just editing it. I don't know why I said that. I guess if you don't like my work, that then it shouldn't be a disincentive to go check out Daylight Robbery. 
So thank you to all of you. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter uh, at Jason D. Crane. And, of course, uh, the Jazz Session has a Facebook page. And you can subscribe and you can become a member and all that good stuff. And you can tell your friends. And now, if you would, please get out there and support live jazz whenever and wherever you can. And then come back next time for another conversation about jazz on the Jazz Session. Bye. Bye. Bye.